Stampede. Garner is in number 109, recorded 81521. Normally, I refrain from talking about specific politicians. They always leave me with bad taste. But I have to admit, I have a certain fondness for one of America's most successful machine bosses of the 20th century. In fact, I still can see him when he was leaving an auditorium after giving a speech and I, a young man about 20 years of age, passed by him, and he smiled at me. I'll never forget that. And I won't forget the day he died in office and how sad I felt in his passing. He was an imperfect man, as are so many of us. But Richard J. Daly the boss of Chicago, knew how to keep things running along, even if some of it wasn't perfect. He built public high-rise buildings 
to house thousands of blacks who had migrated from the South seeking work in one of America's strong middle-class Europeanly mixed neighborhoods, Chicago. Those high-rises resulted in large sections that are the black ghettos. And over the years, they've had to be torn down because they were considered unfit for habitation. But when the boss had those buildings constructed for the black people of the city, Richard J. Daly believed he was doing something good. It also helped him to build a political machine of blacks beholding to him. But this is my point. Daly's intentions were good, and it kept blacks living concentrated in certain parts of the city. Today, we'd call that discrimination. But as it turned out, black people became a force in machine politics in Chicago. Daly came from poor, hard-working European immigrants who believed in religion, family, education, and cultural identity. And that's what made Daly, because he knew everyone that made those values stick. He built a machine with that. And when the boss stood up to talk, you didn't really understand what he was saying. It was a jumble of words. But at the end, you knew he wanted it to work. Even if he ordered shoot to kill during the 1968 Democratic Convention with protesters against the Vietnam War, Daly built something that worked. But there are different bosses today. Bosses that continue with machines. Bosses that have different values.
Yeah, Richard J. Daly made a city work. The garbage got picked up. And the Swedish, Irish, German, and Polish neighborhoods were clean. The buses ran on time. The subway didn't have any graffiti. The school kids could walk back to their neighborhoods. The museums were free. The parks were cared for. Yeah, the boss wanted the machine to work smoothly for the people of his city. And he knew every precinct captain, every street, and every corner of his city. Sure, the cops got rough on some screwballs who committed some crime. It wasn't unheard of that civil rights were violated in police stations. No, Daly didn't care too much for those who broke the law, the criminals. No, he wanted to make sure that the rights of the hardworking citizens of his city were protected. He came from across the tracks, from hardworking families, and he loved the people of his city, even if he couldn't articulate it in a speech. But one thing you could be sure of, the boss didn't tolerate what he considered inappropriate behavior toward women in the workplace. Bill Clinton having sex with an intern in the White House wasn't what the boss considered the right way to run a machine. No, if that had happened under his watch, that person would no longer work for the people of his city. However, the thing about big city machines is that they're incestual. That if you had a city job, you could be sure sons, daughters, uncles and aunts, and distant cousins also worked for the city. That's how machine politics works, and it guarantees families staying in office for a long time. Today, Andrew Cuomo has resigned as governor of the state of New York. And if you want to understand what modern-day machine politics is, you have to examine the personalities of the people who rise up from the machine. And they aren't the same as Richard J. Daly. No, their intentions today aren't the same.
Staley wasn't from privilege, but Cuomo was. In fact, it's safe to say when Daly was growing up, he was fed with a wooden spoon. And I don't think I'd be very far wrong in saying Andrew Cuomo was fed by something that wasn't just a silver spoon, but probably was a 24-karat gold utensil. You see, Andrew Cuomo's father came from that special breed of New York politics. And don't get me wrong, Chicago politics could get rough. In Chicago, the guy delivering concrete from a company to a construction site downtown probably did so because contracts were given to that company connected to the machine. And money, one way or another, was passed above or below the table. In New York, if you wanted to have concrete delivered for a building being constructed in Manhattan, the company with that contract not only had to make payoffs above, below, and around the table to make it happen, the building and zoning commissioner had to get his cut. The streets and sanitation commissioner had to get his cut. The union bosses had to get their cut. And even the environmental protection inspectors had to get their shares. Before a truck loaded with concrete could start pouring at a work site. No, corruption in New York made Chicago mobsters look like small-time thieves. And that's what machine politics are and have been for a long time in the Big Apple. I'm not saying that there wasn't corruption in Daly's time in office. I'm sure the boss never took a bribe or used his position to cross the line with women to gain sexual favors. No, Daly's thing was to make it work for the people, not to necessarily abuse them. His workers weren't thugs with their hands on every man and woman. No, Daly's machine was different, but Andrew Cuomo knew how to work his influence from an early age. The son of a big-time machine boss. And crossing ethical and moral lines was nothing new for him. He could have whatever he wanted. And that's a big difference between Daly's machine and Cuomo's machine.
Andrew Cuomo resigned as the acting governor of the state of New York. He was, in effect, the titular head of the Democratic Party for that state and was one of the principal leaders who controlled its democratic machine. That machine employs hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of government workers in the Empire State. To be fair, he worked his way up the political ladder, but by and large, he inherited much of New York's political machine from his father, Mario Cuomo. Why Andrew resigned has a great deal to do with his personality, a certain hubris frequently found with people of privilege. He was accused of inappropriate behavior while in contact with female public employees. But more troubling was his handling of thousands of elderly people in nursing homes when COVID-19 struck in 2020. Let me be clear on this point. Not all the facts are known about why Andrew Cuomo sent thousands of elderly people to an almost certain death while COVID-19 was savaging the vulnerable patient populations in nursing homes. Now, by nature, I'm a cynical individual. I often look for the true motivations for why people do the things they do. Everyone knew the infection rate for contracting COVID-19 was high, and that elderly patients had a greater risk of dying from it. It was raging throughout New York with the highest deaths of any state in the Union. There are a few things you should keep in mind with what I'm about to say. Power corrupts, and Andrew Cuomo was no stranger to that principle. He was born into New York political power. The other thing is what all shrewd politicians are taught, and that is never let a disaster go to waste. What I'm about to say may shock you, but it's very possible that the idea of thousands of elderly patients dying could be a benefit to the financial condition of New York State. And Andrew Cuomo was privy to that.
to intentionally send thousands of elderly people to their death is a serious charge. And no amount of political influence could shield someone from being criminally indicted for that. It would be a crime against humanity. These kinds of things keep occurring. Wholesale killings in Cambodia, Bosnia, African countries, under Joseph Stalin in the Soviet Union. And let's not forget America's own instances of killing Native Americans. No, killing is nothing new. Can anyone be sure, knowing the burden that the elderly imposed on the financial condition of New York State? Did it never enter Cuomo's mind that if a large number of nursing home patients slipped into oblivion during the worst pandemic to hit America since the Spanish flu of 1917, that they would never be missed, that they were deadwood, a drain on the state's resources. He couldn't be held responsible for that chaos, the missed allocations of protection. It was a catastrophe all around. It was a war, and there are casualties in war. COVID-19 was dropping people left and right. Why worry about the old and the sick? The healthy and the strong had to survive. People had to get back to work. Don't think about the ones that aren't going to make it. Besides, think of all the savings in state-run pensions. No more monthly checks to pay out or the cost of health care for the nursing homes. And what about all the savings in feeding them? They were a weight around the rest of New Yorkers' necks. Send them off to drift into the unknown. They'll never be missed. Besides, Cuomo was immune from prosecution. He was the governor of the state. No one could touch him. Who would remember? The newspapers wouldn't even mention it. He could get an Emmy for best performance. He could run for president. There's no guilt when you're the head of a political machine.
This week on Garner Isn't, you first heard Nancy Sinatra singing John Barry's composition from the Bond movie, You Only Live Twice, a 1967 release. Then you heard Hans Zimmer's composition, Vide Cormium, from the movie Hannibal, followed by Hovering Over Water by City of the Fallen, and then a Johan Johansson composition, The Beast, from the movie Sicario, then another work from Johansson, Escape, from the movie Varmints, to close a shortcut from Vide Cormium. Stampede, written and performed by Edward Garner in Morro Bay and Paso Robles, California.